systematic yep. Saturday with the question, the million dollar question. What's the question, mm. Nick? Where did Jesus go on Saturday? Where did he go? Stay with us. What are we talking about? That sounds crazy. It is crazy. So we know that Good Friday is the day that Jesus died. And we Uh know that Resurrection Sunday is the day he rose from the dead. The question is, where did Jesus go on Saturday? Uh Uh So you got a couple of options, of course. Uh Uh, The liberals and the atheists would say, well, he just went to the grave and didn't resurrect. Mm -hmm. You know, someone stole his body and uh, the rest is history. But if you listen to Friday's episode... You will no doubt have um, you know, have a hatred for that view. <laughs> you will be totally convinced at this point that that's nonsense. Yeah. So his body was laid in the tomb, uh-huh. but when his spirit left his body, and we're assuming that it did, uh, we we are referring to those words where Jesus said on the cross, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Mm -hmm. We are talking about the traditional view of the intermediate state where uh, any human being that dies has a spirit and a body, and that spirit leaves its body and goes to either one of two destinations, the good place or the bad place. Mm -hmm. Um, So his body was laid in the tomb, but the question is, where did his spirit go? Mm -hmm. So uh, there are a couple of different options. Mm -hmm. Let's lay a few of these out. And uh, Apostles' Creed. Apostles' Creed. But uh, one of the the views that I first encountered in my Christianity in the charismatic church, do you remember Carmen, the Christian singer? Oh, yeah. Wow. He he wrote a song called The Boxer. Oh, man. And uh, this song is all about a a little artistic uh, depiction of Jesus going to hell into a boxing ring to have a boxing match with Satan. That that guy is like my number one polemic for why we shouldn't have Christian music as a thing. (laughs) (laughs) For fear that we might duplicate Carmen. He's like, he's like at the deepest, darkest corner. uh, Yeah. It's like Las Vegas meets Christian Christianity. It's so bad. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I nearly stopped. I mean, like I became a Christian, saw that and ran in the opposite direction. It was crazy. I had to work through it. Yeah, but I suppose Christians just weren't cool. I mean, I listened to Keith Green, and he just wasn't but cool. Keith That's Green why I was cool, though. That's no, he thing. wasn't cool, Green. No, he was totally cool. He was, <laughs> well, he was I like massively cool. I, just, <laughs> I loved Keith Green. Yeah. Yeah, he was uncool, bro. He was like so I uncool. To, Keith, he did full I used to circle to uncool. Keith Green and Salty. Salty? Yeah, it's like kids' praise. <laughs> <laughs> salty. salty as in P.S., like oh, songs. Boy. Wow. It, Okay. Yeah, so I really got over my image pretty quick, um, <laughs> overcompensating, unimaging. Right, yeah. so Carmen so came into the, just exploited your <laughs> overcompensating. Squirrel, back to the uh, the issue. Okay. So Jesus' spirit descends to the boxing match in uh, hell mm-hmm. to pay himself as a ransom for the release of our souls. And so this, this Carmen song, and it's drawing on some early... Uh, church theology mm-hmm. is that there is a trade his soul mm-hmm. for ours mm-hmm. and uh but the devil was conned because jesus had no right to be dead because he was sinless and so he rose again he escaped satan's plot having saved his own soul and ours Woo! the ransom and so, so that was c.s lewis's view um it's 
Yeah, I mean, I'd have to really revive my church history here, but it's 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 more than one person's view in church history. Yeah, oh, for sure, totally. <laughs> yeah, but and it was so just kind of weird. The ransom went, theory or yeah. the uh, Christus Victor theory. Yep. Um, yep. And look, uh, out of all the theories of the atonement, there is a kernel of truth in each one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you have to sort of take them all together to get the fuller picture. For sure. Yeah, so that's one view. Another mm-hmm. view would be the view of the Jehovah Witnesses that says that uh, Jesus didn't go anywhere on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, in fact, deny the existence of the soul mm-hmm. and that Jesus was only a body. He lay dead in the ground on Saturday until the third day. Right. And then on the third day, he resurrected as a spirit, not as a body. Oh, boy. Yeah, so Thank there you, you go. Thank you, Appreciate that. Thank you for, for your addition. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So, and then another view says that Jesus' human soul left his human body, went to paradise to be with the Father. And when he rose again on Sunday, his human soul was reunited with his new resurrection body. So that's my view. And then there's the Apostles' Creed view, which has uh, a very large following, that Jesus' soul went to hell. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that's really what we want to talk about, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm So uh, the main text for that um, is 1 Peter 3, verse 18 to 22. Mm-hmm. It might be worthwhile just reading that. Yeah, go for it. So um, let me read it. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love what Martin Luther says. He says, A wonderful text is this, and a more obscure passage perhaps than any other in the New Testament, so that I do not know for a certainty just what Peter means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta love Luther. True there, man. True <laughs> Being there. completely honest. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. So, you... I mean, the, the key verses there are um, verses 19 and 20. End of verse 18 says, uh, Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Verse 19 in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. So, you know, our initial impression is, you know, it sounds like Jesus' spirit left his body and then his 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 spirit went to uh, a place to go and preach. Mm. And there was a particular audience in mind, and it sounds like it's a very select audience, the audience of the spirits who had not heard any form of gospel either under Moses uh, or Abraham or whatever, and they got to hear because they'd never heard anything before. Um, yeah. Pretty wild if that was true, right? And so, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Then you got you got a couple of little dev, a couple of little options there. So the one option is, and they had a post mortem evangelistic opportunity to believe the gospel and get released from that prison, mm-hmm. or it was only a proclamation. For some odd reason, Jesus went there to rub their particular noses in it, and yeah. only theirs. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it also is interesting, just in light of that Martin Luther quote, you know, that the Apostles' Creed would make such a big deal out of it, you know. 
Um, it's almost like yeah. you'd, you'd think they'd just steer away in light of the obscurity. So, so let me let me read the Apostles' Creed. Um, it's good to do that from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to like I repeat believe... after you? <laughs> Are you standing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He descended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick, that's the living, and the dead. Mm-hmm. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. So that's a great uh, creed, isn't it? It is. And I, um, remember, actually, I don't know just... if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say, I Carry remember on. our first sort of squabble came around. Um, like, I think it might have been nine years ago. We sort of, we met and we started talking about the Apostles' Creed. And I think this was one of our first squabbles. We were like on Kelvin's you use like, of the Apostles' Creed. Exactly. You were like, I think we should keep it. I'm like, no way. We've got to chuck it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just read Robert Raymond, who told me that this phrase had only come into the Apostles' Creed later on. Right. I think Gruder makes the same argument. Um, yeah. 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 And then you were saying like, no, Calvin, I like, I like what Calvin says. And yeah. then, yeah, we started debating what, what I remembered Calvin saying and you remembering what Calvin <laughs> saying. And I think you remembered correctly. Oh, nice. nice. I love it. <laughs> love it when that happens. Yeah. Uh, uh, ben, I think uh, I'm, I'm so sorry I hadn't remembered that more frequently and so that I've been able to rub your you nose. You rub my nose in the Yeah, totally. Man, I would have used that as serious leverage. Pity I, I only remembered right that one time and then couldn't remember it again. Dang. Yeah, it's yeah, all good. Totally. All right, so cool. So yeah, so what Calvin did was... Well, let's he, talk about Calvin's view yeah, first. Yeah. Let's, so why don't you tell us what Calvin was... Uh, how does Calvin approach the Apostles' Creed in that particular phrase? Yeah, we're going from memory. I mean, I like what he does more on principle than, you know, the actual thing itself. And that's kind of what drew me to it in that um, I think I had just come out of Jim and Symbolics class and um, or, or at some stage looked at that and... Uh, just saw what he was saying in light of the 1689 confession um, is, you know, actually talking about the, the language of the, the confession being a symbol of the faith and it's, it's purpose is not, you know, it's, you'd think that you, um, you know, to, to take a, you know, you want to get the framers and what they intended. Right. And that's obviously, you know, how we would certainly approach the Bible. Like what, what did they intend that helps us interpret and it is helpful to do that with the framers of a confession, um, but the genius of a confession, which the framers themselves are considering as they as they put these uh, words into place, um, are, are that the words can be used in ways that basically align to uh, truth. So, in other words, um, it, it, they're stated sometimes in vague ways, sometimes in in ways that are hopefully timeless. Uh, in ways that even allow for ambiguity so that there is unity. Um, but where that does, mm. where that happens, it's usually on a point that's not, you know, essential for, or, or at least um, it's it's a non-essential issue. And um, it, the greater weight of the confession uh, tries to argue for clarity on those essential issues. So typically where you get to one of these sorts of things, you should be able to, if the confession has been well-worded, you should be able to make use of it in an ongoing way, despite a, perhaps a nuance or updating of, of understanding, um, in order to retain a confession, uh, at least a unity with both the past and the present and yeah. the greater 
uh, by the Keeping end. Keeping it intact without having to rewrite the rewrite whole thing. Rewrite it every time, yeah, which is, you know, all, we're all about that now. You know, we always want to go with our 2.0 and, and just keep going. But um, anyway, so just bringing all of that. And, you know, I've seen a few instances of that in the 1689 in the Westminster, which I think are just pure genius, uh, the way they've worded that. And you can see they actually squabbled yep. about it in the, you know, you, you you get the behind the scenes squabbles amongst the, the Westminster divines yeah. and you see they actually did think this way. It's pretty profound where they're like, no, well, let's choose this wording so that, you know, it could it could mean either. <laughs> and it's just uh, it, it, it creates unity. So anyways, Kelvin basically looks at the Apostles Creed and says, well, you know, it needs to be taken figuratively, not um, not literally. So, or at least it could be. It's not that he's saying that they meant it that way. They might probably have, they would have held to a certain view. But the genius of the wording yeah. is that it allows for a figurative understanding. So uh, Christ descended into hell in receiving the wrath of God for our sins. Um, not literally, but truly, you know. And so that, as long as it's understood in that way, it can very easily be confessed in that way. And, um, and so retain a sense of unity together with uh, those that have gone before. Uh, you know, it's weird. It's like not the way we think now, but I like it. There's something about it that I like, and I've always liked it. It's not trying to be disingenuous. Yeah. It's not trying to make them say no. something they didn't say. But my it's God, just, my God, why have you forsaken me? That gets right to the heart of it. Yeah, exactly. Jesus exactly. descended into hell on the cross under God's judgment. Yeah, and so meaning it that way, we can mean it with all of our hearts. <laughs> totally, and, and and I love the way that it takes into account the idea of this value of unity, you know, in a confession. It just sees yeah. that as something important. So that certainly with Kelvin, he you know he was just determined to well, hold on. To he that. had an ecumenical spirit that way. He wanted yeah. to show himself to be in harmony with the early church and not be a pioneer, and yeah. that's important. That is important. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I've obviously been very influenced by Grudem, and I believe you probably have been as well. Yeah. And uh, Grudem gives a couple of excellent reasons for why we don't accept the traditional reading. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I like I like Calvin's revision, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to go with Calvin's revision if we uh, retain the words of the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. But as we just wrestle with the text in and of itself, what is what what is the theology of where Jesus went on Saturday? Did he literally go to a place to go and preach to a bunch of spirits who were in a particular prison in the intermediate state? No. And my answer is no. no. So no, here are the reasons no why preaching. I think that's <laughs> it. Was just no. Yeah. No, yeah. So, so here, are, and I, I, I'm probably reflecting Grudem's work here. So let me read. I think I've got six points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these are from Grudem. Okay. He says, firstly, the context of the portion has to do with persecution. Right. Okay, so that's 1 Peter. It's all about yeah. persecution. And not those in the intermediate state. So mm-hmm. the question Grudem's looking at is what would the relevance of this portion be? Why would Peter say this? Right. It has to have some relevance to the original audience. Yeah, good question. He says, it makes better sense of the context to say that Peter is speaking of Christ's spiritual preaching ministry through a rejected and scorned Noah Mm -hmm. to encourage them to continue in faithful witness, and that would be just as Noah did. Right. Rather than speak of preaching to the dead, which has no relevance for for Peter's hearers, Mm -hmm. when it refers to Christ preaching uh, to those from Noah's day, it is simply saying that when Noah was preaching, it was the Spirit of Christ accompanying his message, mm-hmm. not that Jesus went to hell by the Spirit to preach. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So so uh, you you agree with that? Totally. Yeah. Okay, and it, it doesn't so, seem like it reason. comes across well in the English, but it's all about that, uh, what is it, the antecedent pronoun 
um, you know, uh, I haven't got the text in front of me, but yeah, I, you know, once you, once you work out some level of ambiguity there, you realize, ah, it actually flows really well. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Uh, so the second reason would be this. Christ indicates to the thief on the cross that he would see the thief in paradise, not hell. Christ's body went to the grave, but his spirit went to heaven. And that's mm-hmm. really encouraging for a Christian who's facing death. Mm-hmm. You know, where do I go when I die? Oh, and man. the answer is, will you follow Jesus? Yeah. You go through the grave as he did. He's the trailblazer. To He's the absent. firstborn from the dead. You're going to die and resurrect just as him. Yeah. To be and absent so in the body. He died, to be his spirit left his Lord. body in yeah. his Amen. Yeah. And that's where Christ was. Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Mm. And that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, thirdly, why did Jesus only preach to those before the flood? Mm. What possible reason could there be for preaching to some of the spirits of prison and not all of them? Mm. So that, that's what should raise the questions in your mind, which mm. should lead you away from the traditional interpretation. Totally. Fourthly, Jesus taught in his parable of Lazarus and the rich man that after death, no one can change over from prison to paradise or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So why preach the gospel to those who can't change anything about their condition? Mm, Exactly. Fifthly, for those who believe in postmortem evangelism, even if they could prove that this verse teaches that Jesus preached in hell, they would have to accept that this chance was extended only to those before the flood and no one else. Mm -hmm. So here he's giving some pushback on those who would utilize this verse to you know, God just loves everyone so much, he even preaches to them while they're in hell, yeah, sort of view. Totally. And then, sixthly, the strongest reason is that the view that the Spirit of Jesus was preaching through Noah fits the context best. Mm-hmm. Noah was in a religious minority. Peter's readers are in a religious minority. God's judgment was near in both instances. The time before the judgment is seen as a time of God's patience. Noah witnessed boldly for Christ, being a preacher of righteousness while the ark was being built. Mm-hmm. And Peter's heroes are called to shine the light and give an answer for their hope. Noah was saved, and we too will finally be saved into the presence of God. Totally. So I think Grudem does a really good job just mm. coming from the context, dealing with the Greek, and uh, just working with the whole theology of the Bible Yeah. to uh, put that baby to rest. Totally. It works very, very well with uh, yeah. covenant theology and a kind of uh, retroaction of the gospel and the covenant of grace and all of that. So, uh, yeah, I like it. I think mm. it's a keeper. <laughs> but so hey, where did Jesus go on Saturday? Well, he went to glory. Amen. Paradise. Amen. Yeah, I mean, it's an awesome picture. I mean, it's just, yeah, he was he was with the Father, and then, you know, the resurrection was just kind of the roundup, you know, come and come and be Amen. glorified in that in that in that resurrection slash ascension formality, as it were. Uh, not formality, but you know what I mean, just uh, finale. Um, and um, and coronation. So yeah, it's um, uh, it's it's definitely you know the other thing is that this sort of thing together with like the Nephilim and the you know the giants of old and it just sort of creates this folk sci-fi you know and then throwing a rapture and a and a locusts and helicopters in the future I mean dude you turn the bible into something that's just bizarre and it it just it detaches itself from from theology that is clear and we we start interpreting the clear with the obscure and that's a bad move so you know coming back to luther's quote there you know just acknowledge some things it's obscure then the default should be uh just as grudem i think has wisely done to use very clear theology to make sure we're we're going in the right direction Mm, that's good and we should probably end with a very important question Mm -hmm. where should the christian go on sunday oh 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 i like it that was genius wow we're getting good at this man Whew, segues are us. Um, well, I think I think they should go to church, Nick. That's what I think That's they should good, go. 
You go, go and foretaste glory. Jesus went to glory on Saturday, mm-hmm. but we go foretaste that glory on Sunday. Amen. Oh, man, that's good. All right. Have a good Lord's Day, and we'll reconnect in the next week. Bless you.